I'm Sarah, aka Try Sarah for Kids on the Leaderboard. Hi, I'm Katie, aka Katie Calavacino on the Leaderboard. We are friends, triathletes, and working moms with six kids ages 12 and under between us. We like to talk. We like to listen and tell great stories. And we love to ride our Peloton. Together, we bring you the Empower Hour podcast with Katie and Sarah, and we plan to share what's going on in our world, answer important training and racing questions, and bring on inspirational, intriguing, and insightful guests, all with the mission to motivate you to move. While our focus will be mostly on power zone training on the Peloton, we will also address issues that affect a broad spectrum of healthy living. Things like squeezing everything in when you've got small kids at home to returning to fitness after pregnancy or injury and so much more. So join us each week as we catch up, discuss our mutual love of training and all things Peloton and tap into the minds of experts and fascinating guests while bringing you the advice and inspiration you need. week we bring you a very special tribute to Mother's Day episode. For our powerhouse segment we get a chance to chat with a mother with a very powerful story on her journey to become a mother and that is my good friend Stephanie Hoover. After that we bring on two lovely ladies who made Sarah and I possible and that is our moms. We hope you enjoy. Hey Katie how are you doing? Good how are you Sarah? Ready for Mother's Day? Yeah, I I don't even I the kids asked me what are we gonna do for Mother's Day and I said I think it's gonna be Grandmother's Day because I <laughs> we also you know I always think like my mom and Mark's mom like we should celebrate them and so my plans are to ride with you on Sunday morning and then I don't know what else where else the day will lead. Yeah, we've got a what three I think it's a three hour we're gonna do one of the original tours. So I put together, um, and I, I put some work into this, putting this uh, set together where I was looking for songs about mothers. Cause I know if you look on Pedal Pal, you can search for certain songs. And so I searched for songs, mother, child, daughter, son. Oh, wow. I can't <laughs> yes. hear it. So it should be good. That's a lot of work to have to look at lyrics of songs and then... well you just they have the playlist it's pretty okay. I mean and then you just find the song and put it on I, I enjoy doing that you know it's like part of my OCD planning it's <laughs> it's soothing to me yeah so that'll be fun three hours okay I have to start mentally preparing for that it's interesting because it's mostly five minute rides so um that's interesting right where you know it'll be yeah so after talking to the folks from the tour um, you went, you've done a lot of, you've done quite a few since then. I still haven't done one. Um, so this will be my first and I don't think yeah, it really does account for anything. I started, the first one I did was the original tour where the original tour is you write every instructor. So yes, it does count. Although okay. I know their bot is not, has not been working. I haven't checked in the last day or so, but it just, you know, you think you remember it and then you can log it when, um, when that's up and running. Okay. So in the past week, yeah, there was homecoming and there was some announcements, some good, some not so good from Peloton. We don't really need to get into that. I know you have a tread. Um, I'm just curious, are you going to, re to send it back for the recall? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's interesting. You know, I've been following the whole thing with the treadmill and the, the kids hurting themselves and we have the tread, 
which is now the Tread Plus, because we, we got that August 2019, so it was the original one. Um, and we when we bought it, we put it up in my office um, because, you know, that's my space. The kids don't come up here. There's no reason for them to come up here. Whereas if we kept it in the basement, it would be, that's where they play. That's where they do school now. Um, it would be a lot more risky down there. And so we had the, you know, the first people that came to bring our treadmill, they wouldn't bring it up the stairs. So they had to take it back and we had to get people, some other people to come and actually bring it up. Like three guys, it took them like three hours. I gave them like a $200 tip. I felt so bad for these guys to haul this thing with jackets on, like weightlifting jackets on up to our fourth floor of our townhouse. Um, but anyways, it is up here. You know, we do use the key that can, you know, but still it's, it's, it's a risk. Um, and I, you know, Matthias made me watch a video. It just, it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's risky. So anyways, we have until November of 2022 to make a decision uh, to get a refund. So I think we're going to wait until that summer and, uh, you know, they're, they're rolling out this new software where you have to input a key as well. You have to have the actual physical key in, and then you have to have your own key in to make it work. We're going to see how that goes. Um, see, maybe they come up with a, like a solution, like a something that you put on the bottom of it or something to make it safer. Uh, maybe they come out with a new treadmill. Um, and so at that point we can say, yeah, we want a refund and we want the new treadmill or whatever. So we have time to make a decision. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize there was such a long window. I did yeah. hear they will come to your house. And yes. And so, yes, say we did have it in the basement, we would probably want them to come and move it up here. Yeah. So I thought that was a good option because I know so many people don't want to give it up. Like my, right. Michelle, um, I think hers is in a, in the garage and our houses, the ceilings are pretty low. So you really can't have it in another spot in the house. But if she were to move it out of the garage, yeah, someone could come and, and, and do that for her, a Peloton um, employee, I guess they, they send those out. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty, in, you know, an interesting turn of events. Yeah. And so many of those treadmills have been sold and especially this year. So it, it affects a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The other news, which is something that I was interested in, it was this new strive score. Yeah. Um, and I, we had talked about not using our heart rate monitors. I didn't even realize I had one. And then someone's like, Oh, came with the bike. So today for the first time I decided to check it out and it, it's pretty cool. I would say um, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it when we do our, our, our tour. Cause I, I haven't, you know, I have the armband. I don't like, I hate a chest strap, but I'm going to, I'm going to use it and see what, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was reading that it's really for like other workouts too. So you can run on the treadmill or do a boot camp or do a strength class and you can compare your strive score from one to the next, which is, okay. you know, as athletes, I think we understand, like, obviously our heart rate is going to be pretty low for a strength class, but maybe not. I mean, I never look at my heart rate. So I wonder how that kind of compares to, I mean, you use training peaks, like your, how each workout gets a TSS score, right? It's kind of similar. It's really similar. Yeah. So, um, but just today for the, for the challenge, ride, I did uh, the 30 minute AR with Olivia and I was like, well, okay, I'm staying in zone two, zone three. Um, so it's not quite all green. It's like a little green, a little yellow, but that ride was pretty easy because it was just zone two, zone three. So my heart rate actually matched that. So that was kind of cool to see. I'm yeah. glad my heart rate wasn't like accelerating <laughs> what was supposed right. to be an easy ride. Um, but I tried to been paying attention a little bit more to heart rate um, with running too. I've been feeling kind of tired and I was just thinking like, I wonder if my heart rate is like 
impacted by the fact that I'm tired. And sure enough, like one of my runs this week, it was pretty high. But I think also it's like heat and there's other factors that play into that. Yeah. And life is picking up. Like we talked about life is getting busier and it's like, you know, you're getting pulled in all these different directions and it does affect you. Yeah, it does. And I'm like a jump in head first kind of feet. Yeah. And I was just like, sure, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And all of a sudden I was like, I am tired. Like this is a lot. And you know, I had a baby at the start of the pandemic and we really haven't like lived life with her and she's like a human now. Now she's walking and moving around and it's not as probably, you know, me three meals a day. I mean, I was nursing before and it was very exhausting, but it's a different kind of like presence, you know, like she's much more of a presence now. And now I'm like doing things with her, which is really fun, but also it's like an added, um, it's an adjustment. I, telling my friend, I was like, I just wish I had a little bit of an adjustment period before like jumping back to normal life. Like we're going back to normal life, which is amazing. And I could not be happier that numbers, COVID numbers are going down vaccinations are going up, but I think we all need a little bit of a transition, you know, I know, I know. I agree. So, um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's good. The weather's been okay. And like, I feel like we're doing pretty well with our, the spring challenge and the, the running. I mean, you're, you're doing so well with running. I'm so proud yeah, of you. I feel good. You know? So it's, it, I mean, this is one thing I was thinking about when I was swimming today and like, I just can't, and I'm sure you do this. Like I can't keep all three sports strong. Like my swimming is really like, it, I just have to do recovery swims. I mean, I just, I'm tired. You know, I've got that running, like hungry, like you, like when I start running a lot, I start getting really hungry. Uh, I just feel tired all the time. Um, it's an adjustment. My body's adjusting to it and, and it's okay if my swimming is like, that's the least of my concerns. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the, the, with the pros do and, and right, you know, you have, you need a lot more hours in your day to like really get the most out of swim, bike and run. And right. it's, if for normal people, it's I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, you need naps and recovery time and just things that we don't necessarily have access to exactly. we have jobs and we have kids. And so I remind myself of that all the time. Like we'll still be fine. We'll be able to, if you know, get through yeah, it. Not, we're not going to yeah. drown not going to drown. It's just maybe, you know, you're not going to be PRing, but you never PR in triathlon anyway. The water, the swim part's always up and down. Unsure. Yeah. I mean, you do want to be like strong and and beat people out of the water, but um, yeah, I I think that's something that you can give yourself a little grace for because you're riding hard and you're running hard. Yeah. I mean, and that's for me, like I'd rather be more confident in the run and the bike than this. I mean, I'm going to be confident in the swim regardless. Like that's my strength. So yeah. I yeah. think it's better to, to practice the running and the biking. Mm-hmm. So speaking of running so tomorrow, or maybe for me, I don't know, Sunday, we're going to try to do this test 5k. So our real 5k is going to be at the end of the month or in two weeks. Um, but I think it's good just to do a test and my sisters are on board too. I think they're going to do it. Oh, good. Um, and so it's something just to see where we are. And then hopefully we can improve on that time in two weeks time. So I'm debating, I didn't tell you this, but I did get my super shoes and, uh, oh, I did mention, and they're Hoka's, they're Hoka Hoka Carbon X2. 
and oh nice yeah and they're like you know supposedly what the pros wear or whatever um so I guess I'll wear them on Sunday. Should I wear them on my 5K or tomorrow? I would, I would. So I, I really want to get the Nike ones. So I'm, I'm, Matthias said he would get those for me. I mean, I just have the Nike Pegasus Air right now, but I would definitely wear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get used yeah. to them too, you know? Right, yeah. And from what I've heard, it does make a difference in um, just, I guess, the just the way that you come down and the springiness and- Yeah, you know, that'll be fun. All- that'll be yeah. something to look forward to, yeah. Yeah, so they came today and they're comfortable. They seem to fit. Hopefully they, you know, will will help me. <laughs> like I'll take any advantage I can. The other thing is like I've been watching, you know, races happening and looking at pictures and just thinking everybody's wearing the super fancy shoes. shoes. Yep. Yeah. So it's like I feel like we would be at a disadvantage if we didn't have Oh yeah. Them. I'm definitely gonna hope to have those for yeah, your mother. Maybe for the, the our five K and on the twenty third or twenty second, whatever date that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so this is a special episode of Empower Hour. We're talking less about Peloton, more about being moms, more about just celebrating motherhood. Obviously, you and I are moms, um, but we brought our moms on. Um, we each individually talked to my mom, Liz, and your mom, Betsy, and had interesting conversations with them. That was great. About, yeah, about like growing up and kind of how we be, you know, how they helped us become shape us who we are today. And then we talked to, um, to Steph Hoover, Steph Hoover. Yeah. And so you want to talk about Steph a little yeah, bit? And then- just talking to her about her, you know, her journey on becoming a mom when, you know, she struggled with it, some infertility and how she was able to make her that, that happen for the family. And now they've got their forever family and just talk to her about that. Yeah, it's, she's so amazing and just an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I loved hearing her story and I'm sure everybody else will too. So yeah, we'll get back to power zone and training and all that stuff oh. in the n- near future. But for Mother's Day, it's just a special sweet you know, Mother's Day episode of the Empower Hour. So we hope you enjoy it. Okay, so for our Mother's Day powerhouse segment today, we wanted to introduce you to a mother with a very powerful story on her journey to become a mother. And that's my good friend, Stephanie Hoover. Although it feels like a lot longer, I only met Stephanie a little over a year ago when her husband's job in the Air Force moved her family from San Antonio to across the street from us here in Alexandria, Virginia. She can actually tell you where she's at now, but she was here for about a year. Now, if you ask Stephanie, she'll tell you that my first impression of her was horrible, recovering from the flu and trying to quickly move some furniture in through her back patio while I was out on the playground playing with kids or whatever. However, I disagree as she's one of the loveliest and warmest people I've even on her bad days. So here today with us, we have Stephanie Hoover to share some of her journey to becoming a mother and how she discovered Peloton and what it means to her. So Stephanie, I'll let you introduce yourself. Okay. Hi guys. I just want to thank you guys for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to share a little bit about my life story and then a little bit about uh, my Peloton journey. I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas, um, born and raised there. And my husband Lee and I met in San Antonio in the Air Force. He's in the Air Force and he was assigned uh, to San Antonio in 2006. We met there um, at church. We were in the same singles group. Um, And then we got married in 2008 and then the Air Force started to move us around and 
we moved from San Antonio to Knoxville to Turkey uh, to DC, back to San Antonio, and then back to DC. And um, in 2010, we were living in Knoxville and we um, started to you know, have that desire to start a family. And we started running into some hiccups. It wasn't as easy as we thought. Um, so we were unable to have kiddos at the time known reasons. Uh, and so we, in 2013, we decided to start pursuing infertility treatments. Um, and we were at Walter Reed in Bethesda at the time. And um, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Like we, we really wanted children. We wanted to grow our family, but here, you know, we have all these challenges, unable to get pregnant. And we started, we, we, we did IUIs, we did IVFs, we went through it all and we tried and we tried and we tried and we just could not get pregnant. Um, and so living in DC and then in 2017, we found out that we were going to uh, moved to San Antonio. We got assigned to San Antonio. And so um, we moved there and we had the opportunity to continue doing IVF there, but we prayed a lot about it and we felt like God was leading us in a different direction. And that was in the area of foster care. We really felt God leading us to serve in that area. And so we got settled in San Antonio and I started doing um, some research on foster care and adoption through foster care. And um, there's just such a huge need for it. And so I um, found out about a meeting in San Antonio and I called Lee one day and I said, hey, I'm gonna go to this meeting, find out some more information about this. You can come if you want, you don't have to. Um, and he's like, I'll come, you know, that would be um, interesting to find out more about. He wasn't really on board at first, um, but he went with me. And as soon as we sat down and we began to hear about this great need um, in San Antonio, but throughout the US for children in foster care, um, we both were completely on board and decided that at that time, that's what we would do to um, bring children into our home, whether we were able to adopt them in the future or just provide a safe, stable, loving environment for them. That's where we felt um, what we felt we needed to do at the time. So, um, you know, how do we do this? How do we start foster care? We went through a lot of classes. We spent six months getting licensed. Um, and then in October, 2017, we ended up saying yes to three different sets of siblings and we were placed with the third set. And two little girls, their names are Alyssa and Alana. And um, they, Alyssa was four, almost five. Alana was 13 months and um, just two adorable, really sweet little girls. And they actually ended up being our first and only placement in foster care, which I think is very unique because when you start foster care, you're prepared to just welcome children in and out of your home um, and just come and see them go because the end goal, of course, is reunification for the kiddos. Um, but these little girls, they ended up staying with us for two years and then we were able to adopt them in November, 2019. So it was pretty awesome. Um, it was definitely like a roller coaster of a journey. So many emotional, um, 
ups and downs. I mean, so many hoops to jump through. Um, but in November, November 26, 2019, we were able to um, start officially start our forever family and officially make Alyssa and Alana part of Team Hoover. That is an incredible story. So congratulations. I wasn't even that, that, you know, I know 2020 was such a long year, but really it's not something that's happened so recently. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So first, I guess going back, I know you documented a little bit of your IVF journey on Instagram and Katie and I were just talking about, you know, being more vulnerable and being mm -hmm. more comfortable within our own skin and opening up about our struggles and our personal things. But so was that something that um, was helpful to you to be open about your IVF journey? Totally. Because, um, you know, I, I feel like there are so many of us women these days that walk that road of infertility. And I feel like it's starting to come out more into the open, but there's still a lot of people who don't share openly. And so I don't, I don't even, I can't even remember how many followers I had on that page, but for me, it was like a way to kind of process as I shared. And we, we got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people were cheering us on. Um, so it was, it was a, a cool thing for us to do. We enjoyed doing it and, you know, documenting all those moments that were emotional. We tried to, you know, make sure we got laugh. We laughed through the tears, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe if even just a few years ago, something like that with infertility was something um, that people didn't talk about, like mm -hmm. miscarriage too. You know, it's just like now people, women are more comfortable talking about miscarriage, talking about infertility. It's becoming more normalized. Uh, I can still imagine it's painful, especially when it doesn't work. Um, right. But I think it's so brave of you to share your journey and now sharing do you still have Instagram or you, do you have some? I'm, I'm on Instagram, um, at Annie Steffer, but I, I didn't continue the IVF journey page obviously, but yeah, no, I'm, I still have my personal, um, Instagram account. Yeah. Um, sorry, Katie, I don't want to dominate here, but I wanted to ask also when, so when, um, Alyssa and Alana came into your house, did you have a sense that, you know, right away that this, these girls were something special and they were one in four right so yeah they were I mean yeah I mean it wasn't like I don't know that's hard okay we may want to cut this part <laughs> um, <laughs> now I, I don't know you know it's hard to say because we weren't prepared we weren't prepared for the long haul right we you weren't thinking like this is it these are gonna they're gonna be with us forever Correct, because usually the case is that a grandmother or an aunt or somebody will come into the picture if the parents are not able to complete the service plan the court has ordered them. So, you know, honestly, we thought it was temporary. And Alyssa came, she came running in um, the front door and she was like, mommy, daddy, and you're my new mommy and daddy. And of course, you know, it's so sad because she doesn't really understand what those words mean. You know, we were the second set of foster parents that she came, that she came to live with. And so, um, yeah, it was, we didn't know it was going to be, you know, permanent. And I think that's, what's so cool too, about our story is that, you know, they were the only kids ever placed with us. And then we ended up adopting them, um, in the end. So with foster care, is it just, you keep them as long as they need to be in a stable home? 
Correct. Yes. So um, as long as you're willing and able, they will stay with you until the parents have completed the service plan that the court assigns them. And in Texas, that's a year. They have a year max to complete that plan. And then how, how does it work? Like, how do you actually say then, okay, we're going to adopt you guys? So, well, that's the sad, the sad part. Um, so the parents' rights are terminated by the court after a year. Um, if they haven't gotten it together. And so it's it's really sad. And then um, the, the case goes to trial, I'm trying to think back here. And then, um, then you just apply to adopt them. And usually everything goes through um, fairly quickly. I mean, it can take, I think it took like six months for us. Um, BioDad actually appealed the trial and the termination. And so that pushed it to a year. So it was a year from when rights were terminated to when we actually officially adopted them. So it was a little longer for us. And we were starting to get a little nervous because we knew we would be moving soon. Um, and that, that was another thing too. You know, we had the girls, we'd had them for almost two years and Lee, um was up for some promotions and he actually said no because we wanted to stay we, we didn't want to send the girls to another home we wanted to see it through if we were able to adopt them we really wanted to because you even though you know for a while you know it's temporary um you start to see okay this could become something permanent and you start to form these really strong bonds and so by the time you know two, we were two years in i'm like these are my kids yeah yeah what would you say is the most challenging part about welcoming a one and four-year-old into your house? <laughs> um, well, I think probably their background. I mean, that's a big part. You know, they're coming in. They've been raised by someone else, um, you know, and, and those parents usually do stuff that you would never do. And so you, you're faced with a lot of challenges. You have to change behaviors and you have to work through a lot of trauma. And so that's challenging, yeah. But I mean, you just have to, I mean, they're just little kids, you know, in need of love. And um, they, just, they just want somebody to want them and to love them. Yeah, and you and Lee, I mean, Lee is such a supportive uh, spouse as well, and you guys do so well with them. Um, I'm always amazed, you know, just watching your patience with them. And I know we've got, we've talked about our, you know, we have our playground chats and we're like, oh my God, this day is the worst day ever. Who's bringing the one? You know, with part of my mom, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's how we all are, you know, but you, you know, you, you, you just, you, you, you guys seem to like really just have it together and like, you know. It's just really, really great to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I'll be the first one to tell you, we don't have it together at all. <laughs> Who does? There are a lot of, right, right? And that's the thing, you know, whether it's biological children or, you know, adopted children, you know, everybody has their hard days. And so many moms like go to bed feeling guilty for something, you know, you say or do, but then tomorrow is a new day. And in your kids' eyes, it doesn't matter. Like they'll wake up, the next morning and they will love you just as much and can't they can't wait to see you and be with you so i have a second grader as well um, you know your oldest is eight so they're the same age and she's very inquisitive and she asks a lot of questions so i imagine that you get a lot of questions from your daughter all so, day long 
all day long. And she is an extrovert and I'm an introvert. And so that's tough for me because she wakes up in the morning and for, you know, first thing I haven't even had my coffee and she's just peppering me with questions. And I'm like, whoa. So that's been tough as the personality thing, you know, when you adopt, you know, you just don't always know what you're getting. And, um, just, we just have opposite personalities. Yeah, you, you've so. talked about that, how you guys are the ones that the, you and Alyssa are the ones that she pushes, she pushes my buttons, especially this year with the virtual learning at yeah. home, but yes. Oh, so many questions. I mean, everything is a question. And so sometimes I'll be like, well, what do you think? Like, you know, kind of turn it back and like, here, you try to figure this out and answer it. <laughs> well, she asked questions about her biological parents or like, how much do you share about that? She, she remembers a lot, um, you know, cause she went through it all, um, up until almost five years old. Yeah. And you so, remember that when you're, that's still, right. You know. Right. And those intense emotions really, um, cause those memories to linger. So she remembers a lot. She talks about it occasionally. And I found that as time goes on, she talks a little less about it, but, um, you know, I, I just think it's so important with adopted children to, you know, make sure they, they know their story, make sure obviously they know they're adopted, but to talk about it because I don't want them, we don't want them to become, you know, teenagers and then resent. I think there could be a lot of resentment if you're not open about it. So in, I'm in contact with her bio mom on Facebook and, you know, she'll message me from time to time and I'll send her pictures because I mean, you know, these are her kids and she loves them so much. Um, and so she actually, I asked her to send the girls a, uh, a, a letter, but she sent it on Facebook and it's a message and, you know, just telling them how much she loved them. And so I share, I, I read it to them and, you know, Alana, my little one, she's four now and she's, I'm her mommy, you know, she, she doesn't really, she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't know it. So she was like, okay, cool. But you can see it meant a lot to Alyssa. Yeah. And that's such a progressive step too, because I feel like, you know, with adoption before it was like, kids would find out about their bio parents when they're after they're 18 and or they go searching and yeah, or you go searching or there's, and there's that resentment too, that right. Um, so it sounds like you're doing it. I, I, I have to imagine you have mentors or you talk to your groups that of other adoptive parents or yeah, you, you guys have a big out? community. Yeah, we have a lot of friends who've adopted. So we definitely like reach out to each other and just find support and encouragement through that. And then also through like church and small groups and yeah, that is so important, especially as you're walking through the process um, of foster care, you know, because you, you really need those support groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for anyone who might be considering foster care to adoption, like what's the one thing that you feel like you want to share about whether it's good or bad or in between? I would say, you know, if you're, you're thinking about it at all, definitely pursue it because it is a hundred percent worth it. Um, it's hard, but, um, anything that's worth doing is hard. And, um, if you are, you know, single parent, you know, single person wanting to adopt or a married couple wanting to adopt, you know, foster care is a great way to do, to do that. It's a little more time consuming. It's, there are a lot of hoops to jump through, but, um, yeah, I would 100% pursue it. Yeah, sorry, did that answer your question? I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was fine. Yeah. 
Um, well, we were going to also talk to you about our <laughs> our Peloton community. So yeah. we're having you on, of course, because you're an awesome mom, and this is all about Mother's Day. We really admire everything that you do, and but also you're in our community of Peloton uh, moms. Like, what are we together? We go far. Together we go far. PWGF. Yeah. So, um, when did you get your Peloton? So. I got it in October, 2020, the year of COVID. So in March, we moved to Alexandria and then I met Katie Palazzino, she's our neighbor, and um, just really bonded with her. And we started talking about, you know, her Peloton. And I think she let me come over to her house and check it out. And Lee and I had been thinking about it. We'd seen all the ads. I, I love spin classes. I've always been. Yeah, you guys are, fit. Lee does, you know, he's done marathons, runner. Yes. Um, and so I think it was easy to sell to, to both of you, right? It well, because was- I think also we'd like been thinking about, it. like it had been in the back of our minds for a while. And I think one thing was like, well, can we afford this? It's so expensive. And then, you know, COVID happened and everything changed and we're not going to go join a gym now. So what can we do from home? And, um, I think, I think talking to you, Katie really, um, made us decide to go for it. And because we had talked to a couple other friends too, and everybody says it's hundred percent worth it and you will love it. And so we ordered the bike in October, 2020, and it came three weeks later and, life-changing absolutely definitely one of the best purchases we've ever made Uh, we both use it all the time and in the beginning i would just do um random rides um just kind of click through oh this looks fun let me do this wicked ride or let me do your first ride was their ftp test (laughs) oh yeah i so i'd read online somewhere do an ftp test you know for your first ride to see where you are at. And I had no idea what I was doing. And <laughs> now looking back, that's just hilarious that I took that. That was my first ride. But, um, and then Katie, you started talking to me about, you told me about TWGF at the group and your Pelafondo prep. And so I started um, riding with you on Saturday and Sunday mornings and your group. And it was awesome. I love the schedules you make and just, it's just easy to like stack those classes and just take them all. And so I took my, uh, well, I, I did my first Pelavondo in January. Um, you did 60, which is, that's huge. Yes. My goal was 50 miles and I did 62. So I, I was so proud of myself when I yeah, did I mean, that's I, amazing. I asked, I remember I asked you, you know, what's your goal? And you were like, what did you say? 120, 110? Yeah. But you but I've been, I've been riding since what? No, 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 yeah. no, totally. And I was just like, Whoa, that's yeah. amazing. But I was so proud of myself for 62 because for yeah. me, having the bike for what, three months and, um, it was a huge accomplishment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience where I was like, Katie, I think I'm going to do 50. She's like, Oh, that's great. That's really great. And then I was like, well, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to go for like, what'd you do? 120 or something like yeah, that. That's not a good idea though. Guys. I was like, Wait, I'll tell you. You're doing like more than twice what I'm doing, but baby steps. Right. I had gotten my bike too. Yeah. So I was like, I can't be on that bike for more than two hours. No way. But now I'm like, sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, so as a mom, what do you, what is the Peloton? How has the Peloton helped you and enhanced your, your life? 
So um, it's helped me so much. So I think just taking the time every day. Um, and I don't know if you guys can hear the national anthem, but it's playing on bass right now. Oh, that's funny. Um, but so, so it's helped me so much. Um, it's just simple self-care for me. And I know the instructors will tell you all the time, you know, just take that 10 minutes, take that 20 minutes to do a stretch or yoga or whatever. And it's just self-care. And especially during a pandemic, when your kids are at home and they're doing virtual learning and you're losing your mind because you're with them 24 seven, it's so important to just carve out that time to hop on the bike for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, and just, you know, I put the kids on their iPads and they know really not to bother me during that time, but um, it's so important to do that and have that stress relief for me. I get tons of energy from the endorphins. I'm able to just kind of work through some of the stress. Um, and I think also just emotional care. Like I took um, one of the classes, the Sundays with love class um, with Katie one day and I texted her mid-class and I love, I love Allie. I texted her and I'm like, I am bawling. Tears are streaming down my face. This, I'm so like, this is so emotional for me. And it was the class that she um, talked about joy and choosing joy and how, you know, it doesn't come naturally, but it's learned and it's a practice and it's something we have to choose. And um, it was just so empowering. You know, I was empowered to find my joy and be joy to my children. Um, even when times are tough, just to focus on the positive and find what you're thankful for. And so, um, I mean, it's a daily thing with Peloton, whether I ride or I do yoga or I do strength training, it's, it's just self-care and it helps me, you know, get through the day with my kiddos and burn that stress. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing we've been talking about is, you know, our generation, well, our, our parents' generation, it was all about being a mom, you know, that was their, the duty. And now it's, you got to take care of yourself too, you know? And so if the Peloton's great, it's there. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to leave your kids. You're, you stay home with your, your girls. You don't have to leave them. Um, so it's, it's really great. And, and, and it is the, the, the mental, the emotional too. Like today I was listening to, uh, Olivia. And she said, one quote that I really liked from her was, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And I think that's great. Cause I've had so many people say, I, I'm not an athlete. And it's like, well, if you can, if you can move, you're an athlete. Right. So I think that's great for everything they say. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you start writing, like when I started writing, I, I was like, well, I'll take a 20 minute class or a 30 minute class. And then I started doing the power zone challenges and all of a sudden you're doing 90 minute classes and you're like, wow, how did that get here? But yeah, no, that's a great quote. Cause yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've heard her say that before. And when Katie said, you know, you don't have to leave your house, you don't have to go anywhere. But I think like we get transported every time we get on the bike, I do feel like I'm going somewhere, you know, like I feel like I, I am able to like tap into a part of my brain that I don't tap into any other time of the day because I'm thinking about a million other things. And yeah, I've cried in those uh, Sundays with love class. I was like, what's wrong with me? And then I'm like, I'm not. I, and then she was crying. Anytime the instructors cry, I lose it. And I'm like, this is just like too much, but you may, it, it impacts people. And it sounds kind of cheesy when you're talking about it, like outside of the class. But I feel like when you're this captive audience and your endorphins are firing, it's just your, your emotions just flow. And so I've had so many good like powerful, mindful moments on the bike, which I was not expecting at all. When I got the Peloton, I was thinking totally physical fitness, but I think it's so good for our mental health. 
as well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, before we go, Steph, we wanted to um, have you offer some encouragement. You know, there might be women listening who are struggling with infertility um, and thinking maybe, I mean, you're a wonderful example of somebody who is able to find your path to, to, to motherhood, even though it wasn't the way you, you were expecting. So can you offer some words of encouragement or advice to, to anyone going through something similar? Sure, sure. Um, the first thing to remember is you're not alone. You know, there are many other women who are struggling with the same thing. So, you know, get plugged in, find a community of women that can support you and encourage you through the time of infertility. And it hurts and it's painful and emotionally draining. You keep thinking, why not me? Why can't I have my own children? And the answer is, you know, maybe you can. And if you can't, and if that's your dream to be a mom, um, you can be. And if it doesn't happen biologically, you can choose to foster or adopt. And if you choose to foster or adopt, your children may not look like you or talk like you or have your personality, but they will be yours. Um, And so I I would just say be open to um, God's plan. You know, it may be something totally different than what you dreamed of for yourself or pictured for yourself. And don't give up on the dream of motherhood because it is so worth it. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I just, I'm so thankful that I met you, Stephanie. You're just such a, uh, you know, you're such a strong, strong woman. And I'm just so glad we, we got to be friends in such a short time. I just, you know, it's your inspirational to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. Your girls are so lucky to have you. I'm sure you feel you're lucky to have them, but you, you know, I've never met you, but I can just tell you're an amazing mom. So. Oh, thank you guys yeah. so much. And you both are inspirations to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So seeing as we decided to dedicate this episode to Mother's Day, Sarah and I thought it would be great to chat with the ones who made us possible, our moms, the ones that have supported us since day one. So looking forward to chatting with them and hearing their perspectives on being our mothers, the mothers of daughters with crazy fitness obsessions or passions, I guess you could say. So first we're gonna talk to my mom, Liz Wassner. Um, I'm here over here at her apartment. And um, to give you guys some background, my mom, I'm one of four daughters. And um, three of us actually competed in division one athletics in college. Laurel was a swimmer, Rebecca and I ran um, both at Mount St. Mary's. And then our oldest sister leads up into drama and theater and did really well in college, um, not playing a sport. So I'm always like now that my kids are getting a little older and I think about that times have changed a lot in terms of athletics, but I have to say my parents did the right thing in getting us um, involved. And Katie, we'll talk to your mom too, because you also did really well from the time you were little and stuck with it. And not only that, you know, playing in college, but also um, continuing to do it well after college. You know, now we're grownups and adults with kids of our own, and yet we're still competing. So there was something in us from the time we were little to now maybe a seed was planted. So I'm curious to hear from my mom about what she did and how she did it. So Elise is the oldest, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's the age difference between her and then the twins and then you? It was three years and five months between Elisa and the twins and three years and five months between them. And it was not planned that way. Oh, wow. 
I was very busy trying to have as many, you know, not as many, but I really wanted um, to have more than one child. And when we went from one to three, I thought, well, you're not supposed to have an odd number of children. <laughs> That's what that was Sarah's thinking too. And I was thinking about that. What I was thinking the other day that, you know, we're all, we're both families of sisters. Like I have a sister, you've got three sisters. And then you went on to have four kids, your family of four. And I want to have two family of two. It's like, it's very, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think history tends to repeat itself in it that does. way. It does. Um, yeah, having Sarah was my really dream. I really wanted to have another baby and, and Irv was worried sick that he was going to be a slave. He told me <laughs> forever, but they ended up being the best of friends. So yeah, there's, I didn't, I didn't cause them too much headache. No. <laughs> so yeah. Sarah, was it, then was it easy for you to kind of fall in the footsteps of your sisters? Cause you're, you know, super into the, you got super into running. Yeah. Was it a was it a struggle for you to want to do it or? Um, I had been doing what they did my entire life. So it was just kind of like, okay, they, you know, they played softball. I played softball. They played basketball. I played basketball. I was just a quintessential, I think, younger sister who yeah. wanted to do what they did. And so, although in high school, I didn't want to run, I think for the same reasons, my sisters didn't want to run because it's challenging. And I think we all knew we were good, but we didn't want to like, you know, be good. I don't know. Maybe it's like insecurity thing or whatever. It was just, I didn't want people to pay attention to me, but then I went out for cheerleading. <laughs> it's funny because I cheerleaded. I, I was a cheerleader too. Well, like... I never made the cheerleading team. So <laughs> that was my, what dipping my foot into it. And then I quickly got cut. Um, and then I, my mom told me, she said, you know, the cross country team doesn't have cuts and you should probably run. And I remember you saying like, you'll probably be okay. You'll be good like, you know, Rebecca was. Um, and sure enough, I had that talent at swimming for so many years, you know, just builds a, an engine. Through my high school years, I saw her excelling in college and I saw Laurel excelling in college and swimming. And so that kind of gave me the idea that I wanna to go to college and I, there was no question I was gonna run in college. And as far as like my parents, I think you guys had to, you know, remind me that I could get us, you know, go to college and run and don't screw it up kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's pretty natural because the whole family was involved in all these sports and, and everybody was a good student. So we really had no big hurdles to jump over and they were, you know, they complied with the rules of the house and the rules of school and the rules of running and swimming. There was nothing, you know, more to think about really they had to get educated and if people were offering to let them go to school that was a good thing yeah so did you ever foresee let's say you know college was a long time ago did you ever foresee that you would still be going to competitions as having adult daughters i didn't think about it <laughs> no i got busy with grandchildren <laughs> um no i wasn't thinking that far ahead i don't think but uh, it was kind of, it was really pleasant because now it's more about going to places and seeing all, all the sisters together and a chance to visit and all those reasons. It, it's not so much who's going to win a race with 5,000 people in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more like a, a fun event. Yeah. Yeah. My mom went to, when Beck competed in her first world championships um, as an age grouper, my mom went to New Zealand 
by herself. She called and said, so. why don't you come? And I said, okay. <laughs> I went to my drawer in my office where we keep all of our thousands of passes because we were the government contractor for United Airlines. <laughs> and I just said, I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go to New Zealand. And that's what I did. I went over to Dallas Airport, got on the plane, flew for 14 hours, got off in Christchurch. <laughs> Everything was fine. And we just had a great time together for a few weeks. So we've done many, many trips like that. Mm -hmm. We went to um, Puerto, where, no, we went to Panama, yeah, we've been to, Switzerland. Yeah. yeah, I've been um, to Europe many times with them for traveling and just for fun and for races. It was so much fun. Yeah, it's been a great asset to our lifestyle, I think, and adding that and just the focus being on, you know, health and fitness, it's like a great excuse to travel. So and yeah, I think Rebecca was second in that age group, that thing that is what that was the race that catapulted her into wanting, wanting and getting to be a professional. Yeah, so it's probably good that you were there to support that. Yeah, it yeah. was really fun. We took the public bus over to the course <laughs> we're standing there at the bus stop in uh, New Zealand it was really it was something to say that I think that you know now that I'm a coach and I see some parents who are a little pushy and maybe have too high of expectations like that's something that you never set upon us I mean like you wanted us to do well and I think you pushed me when you saw that I wasn't trying my best or maybe not giving it on my all but like you never really had these high expectations or like came down on us because, you know, you didn't think we exceeded. I mean, there's plenty of races that we didn't do well in that, you know, life goes on, right? Yeah. I felt more, um, I felt sorrier for you as a person, not as a runner during mm -hmm. those times. Felt that, you know, you felt inadequate or, you know, disappointed somebody, the coach or whatever. And, um, you know, it, I, wasn't thinking about the running so much as just how you were, badly you were feeling, all of you. Mm -hmm. And I it, knew that it's just part of what the sport brings to you, you know. But then everybody bounced back. Usually the next day, everything was fine and we just went on. And <laughs> yeah, I think part of the reason that, you know, you guys are all still at it and still loving it is, you know, your your parents never pushed you right you see like you said sarah the you see parents i've seen the parents that coach swimming for a while that are just like like so you know pushy and pushing pushing those kids end up burning out and they don't ever want to do it again i think there's a fine line between you know pushing and supporting uh the right way so I've learned a lot from my mom and my dad too. Maybe we can talk to dads <laughs> for Father's Day, but yeah, that's a good um, idea. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I, I think about what my mom did and what my mom told me a lot growing up now, you know, not just in athletics, but in life when I'm dealing with my own kids now, because. No, we just yeah. couldn't do that. And I didn't, and dad, my husband really is into sports and he was always uh, there for everything and still is, but he didn't say anything negative them, negative them, negative to them ever about how their performance was. He might have offered suggestions, but he never gave the idea that oh you've disappointed me. It's and you know poor me. It wasn't about that because he looks at sports and the overall picture of it and how you know some days you have 
good days and some days are bad. But mm -hmm. he encouraged it tremendously, and he was just as interested in it, um, and still is. So yeah, they got to know like all my my dad got to know all of the ins and outs of triathlon, just like he would baseball or basketball. Like he knew stat, you know, when mm -hmm. back with you know, building up towards the Olympic trials, especially. We knew everybody's, you know, win-loss records and their splits <laughs> and everything because it became such a paramount part of our lives at the time. Just watching her go through that, traveling, you know, on the on the ITU circuit and going all over the world, and we we really followed it, like you know, like I said, like a professional sport. Um, but then again, we were just like feeling her highs and her lows, but also just so proud of her and we never expected her to continue doing it and going on to do so well, you know, not despite not making the Olympics, she went on to do non-drafting and half Ironman. And so, yeah. Many, many things. Yeah. yeah. So I think that we, we understand there's like, you know, good days, bad days. And I apply that to my own. I mean, obviously I'm not a pro, but like, I, I try not to make everything about, I mean, I can't, I can't make everything about my <laughs> triathlon, but you know, as good as we want to do, it's like, you move on and you, it's yeah. something you planted in us a long, long time ago. So. But there's a, a passion, I think, that's inside of people that keep doing it for this long too. Uh, passion about their sport and you can't take that away from somebody. And for they may have a million reasons why they still do it, but you, you just have to understand that it's something inside. Mm -hmm. it's not a, I'm, it's not I want to lose five pounds or I want to you know do this or that it's it's a, something else that you can't put your finger on yeah what do you think drives us to continue to do competitions now into our 40s because you have so much responsibility with your work and your children you have to have an outlet and if and that outlet is is satisfying you it can even satisfy more than your work, not maybe more than your children. But if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have anything. You'd just be a slave to your work and a slave to your children. You have to have something that you're doing that's for you. Because yeah. that part will all end. And if you've done nothing to, you know, produce something else in yourself, whether, you know, it may not, that you may not be running when you're, you know, older, but you, you could turn it into something else and you want to keep working at that. True. I know like, you know, Matthias and I struggled when, when we had the kids, like, do we keep on, do we keep, you know, doing these triathlons and training and, you know, and, and, and like you said, it's, you got to have that something else, you know, just for, it's not really being selfish. It's, you know, just keeping yourself, your health, you know, it's part of your own health. Mental. Uh, and that's like a really good uh, note. I mean, what did you have? Yeah, I had my friends. You know, I was always very sociable. So we did a lot of things together. Right. Yeah. And I also worked in the travel business for almost 40 years. So I got to, to do a lot. Yeah. Travel for business, travel for pleasure and see all kinds of places and go all kinds of places that I never dreamed possible. And as a child and learn from that and I found somebody that had the same passion about traveling. And Do you have anything else you want to add about being our mom? It was hard. <laughs> I always had a messy house, um, but I always cleaned up the rooms when, uh, 
uh, when I, I like to have people over all the time. So when we were, when they were young, I would, you know, have coffees in the morning with parents and stuff. And one a day I off invited a bunch of people and one of the mothers was visiting and I heard her mother say to her, to my friend, boy, she has such a nice, clean, tidy house. And my friend said, look a little closer. And that was correct. <laughs> Everything had been shoved into the closet. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I really uh, enjoyed that part of the, the growing up very, very much and still do. Well, thank you for everything that you've done for us. So it was so wonderful to chat with Sarah and her mom and learn more about their relationship and what kept her and her sisters doing what they love. And so now I want to introduce you guys to my mom, Betsy. Hi, mommy. So I know when I asked you to join our podcast, you looked at me like I was crazy. You're kidding. But no, I was for real. <laughs> it won't be so bad. Trust me. So my mom's actually sitting here with me. She flew in from Ohio on Wednesday. And for someone who has barely left the house, you know, over a year, it was a pretty big deal. So how are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> a little nervous being out, but yes, I'm vaccinated. It's just weird after being in for such a very long time. But I'm glad, I'm so glad to be here. And I've missed hugs. Missed hugs, yeah. Everyone's giving her lots of hugs. And... Yes. Yeah, it's so it must be, feel just so nice to be back with the grandkids and, and your daughters. And thank you so much for joining us. This is something really special for us to do uh, with you and then with my mom. So really appreciate you joining us. Um, so similar to Sarah, my sister also named Sarah and I got involved in uh, certain activities because that was what it was available to us at the time. Like your mom said, you guys started doing cross country because that was what was there. Um, so for us, we started swimming, we moved houses, we were in Ohio and we moved houses when I was six and there was a summer swim team there. Um, so I guess, you know, you just put us on the swim team, you know, that was there and yeah. did you guys find yeah. the house because of the swim team or I mean, oh, no, yeah, no, but that's what all the kids did in the summertime. And if that's how you met the, the neighbors and you made friends and you were six and Sarah was four. We moved in August. So the next summer you both joined swim team. I didn't know you were able to swim 25 meters. Yeah. But you, you were in the first race yep. and did it. Sarah couldn't swim for the first year. But by the end of swim practice, she could swim 20, about 12 well, you meters. You had to pull her out once, right? Yeah, I had to pull her out once. <laughs> she was going under. Her, she lost her grip on the gutter, but uh, yeah. And I said that when you're when you're twelve, you can quit if you want. Yeah, because I was I was like I don't want to go. I don't want to go to swim practice, which I'm dealing with the kids right now. They don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go in the morning. It's early, um, and I fought fought you on it. But that's what everybody did in the summertime in our development, and plus it got them out of bed. And they weren't sleeping in every day and being lazy. And so when they were, when Katie was about 10, she said, oh, no, you were, you were 12 or 13. And you said you wanted to quit. Right. And you said, I could quit if I wanted when I was this old. 
And I said, I lied. <laughs> and you didn't fight me on it because I was enjoying it. By you then. you, you know, were you, enjoying we all it. like you, you know, Sarah, you grew up with summer swimming. Matias grew up with summer swimming. It was the best thing ever. Right. If you didn't do that in the neighborhood, you didn't have the friends. You didn't right. have anything to do. Right. Yeah. It's funny, Betsy, because my mom was talking about Laurel who went on to swim in college and continues to be a big swimmer. And she also said at 12, she wanted to quit. And my mom said, well, you, you can go to daycare. <laughs> you're not going home. You're not going home and stay on the couch. Cause at that time, you know, we were doing year round. And uh, I think she gave me a similar option. I think I waited till I was 14 and she said, well, you know, I don't have anyone to take care of you after school. So <laughs> what are you going to do? You have to go to swim team. Right. Um, yeah. So I, it must be just a 12 year old thing um, to say. I think, I think so. It's yeah. a testing. Yeah. Yeah. But clearly Katie stuck with it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I continued to swim summer league and then it's funny you said that you were a cheerleader. So my freshman year in uh, high school, I was a cheerleader and then they didn't have it. They started a swim team. So then I was like, well, I'm going to swim. And so I was the first freshman year was our first year for high school swimming and I did that and so those of you that know me know that um, I'm a morning person I get up and I I have my coffee and I immediately do my workout this is like it's like no fail I could be sick I could I just do it but my mom has other stories about this and I'm not a morning person <laughs> we carpooled you know we carpooled the kids to weight training for for swim team and did that start at 5.30? Yeah. You had to be there. Yeah. So at five o'clock, it was my, in the morning, it was my turn to drive. And Katie wouldn't get up. And um, I, I, I threw a few shoes <laughs> and I yelled. I, think I, I said, don't mess with me at five o'clock in the morning. And she would not get and up. And you would end up taking my so, friends. Like, so oh, I like, got up, I got up and I picked up Karen and she got in the car and she said, where's Katie? And I said, she won't get up. <laughs> and then we picked up somebody else. Where's Katie? She won't get up. I think there were three I picked up and took them to the high school for weight training. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe you have come a long way. You didn't come a long way, yeah. So was Katie always like, well, clearly she wasn't always a morning person, but did she always have the same kind of drive that she has now? No, I don't think so. So, yeah, so I mean, I I, I enjoyed high school swimming and I walked onto the uh, college division one team in Ohio University and I went from swimming in high school, which was what, like 3,000 yards. We had to travel to the community college, 3,000 yards a day to swimming two days, 10,000, 10K a day. Um, and that broke me. I was a mess. Um, and I didn't, you know, I quit at the end of my freshman year. And I had a hard time, like, from going from working out six hours a day to working out, like, to what am I supposed to do with myself? You know, it's something I've been doing since I was six, swimming. And so I, um, I started just like running a little bit. I'd run maybe like 30 minutes a day or do some cardio you and did crew. I did crew and I, I did crew for, uh, the remainder of my college career. Well, Cox, I was Cox and I yeah, a boys crew. I was on the, I was yes. at the, the gym at our like rec center and running around the track. And these guys said, Hey, 
come on over here. Do you want to be our coxswain? I was like, I don't even know what that is, but sure. <laughs> so I ended up doing that and I would work out with them. Um, and, you know, I just became, that's when I like, I, I grew into this exercise addiction, right? And it, at times it wasn't healthy. Um, you know, it was hard to come down from so many years of it, of exercise, like so many hours of exercising a day to like, you know, just, it became an addiction and not always a healthy one. And I love to do another segment on like eating disorders and trying to striving for perfection. Um, but anyways, like through the years, it became more of a lifestyle and a passion for me. And I think that's kind of like where the drive come, came from. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, you can yeah. tell how you feel felt about college swimming and yeah, it was really an awful time. We she lost a lot of weight um, because of so much exercise and not eating enough to keep up with it. And um, and the and your and the coach said if she went below a certain weight that she wouldn't be allowed to swim again. So so her friends were giving her heavy boots for her way in. And you remember that? I don't remember that. But. Well, the summer, the summer <laughs> after your freshman year, um, I took her to an eating disorder therapist um, for the summer. And then I was invited for the last in for the last session. And I just listened to her say how Katie had a handle on this and it was going to be all okay. She understood you, yeah, you knew what you were supposed to do, what you were going to do. And I sat there and I thought, mm -hmm. I can't believe this woman is a professional and she's going along and believing what, what Katie's saying. It was a very difficult time. Yeah. It was yeah, a it was. Time. It was and you were you weren't necessarily that, well, I guess you weren't living that far away, but you weren't there present on campus. So that right. was scary too. Yeah. So, I mean, I came home and it was just like, they were just so upset, you know, like I put you guys through a ringer and that's like where I'm thankful that they, you know, they stood by me through everything. Um, but I, yeah, I've been through a ringer. To be, it had to be your decision. Right. You know, it does. And that's one is... of the things it has to be, it has to come from you. Um, you know, and I struggled for a while, um, you know, and I, what, I just kept going along and it's part of my personality too, you know, not to yeah. say that that's okay, but it's like a certain personality. Mm -hmm. It's a control. It was a control yeah. issue, yeah. I think, um, or going away, going away going to away school to was all new was and everything. New. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I started swimming again uh, when I went to grad school. And I feel like, you know, it took like years for me, I feel like to be okay with myself, even to this day, like I'd say I'm in my 40s now. And um, it's more of like, I'm okay with I, I would, you know, I have a lot of energy, like to do all the stuff that I do. So I'm okay with how I am and what I do. And I feel like I have a, more of a handle on things now, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You still control. I still but, control, but you know, but, I've got two kids now. I've, you know, I'm, you know, and then, and then that's part of my personality. Like you said, is Katie always have this drive and that's like kind of what it's like, I've always been like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She, Katie, you know, I, maybe because you've had all these experiences, but you're also very like uh, empathetic and you kind of like are good in listening to people and offering advice. Do you think you get a little bit of that from your mom? Sounds oh, like yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, now we were talking about this the other day, Sarah, where um, 
you know, it's, it's hard having, right? Like when you have babies, you know, it's just keeping them alive. And now it's like, we're entering that other phase of parenting where your little father had the need of, you need to teach them to be good people, right? You need to teach them to be empathetic and to, to like care. And I feel like I my not that you had it easy, but maybe whatever you did was the right thing because I, I never felt like I caused a lot of, like, I, I never went looking for trouble. I never, you know, no. I never like went stealing stuff or like, I never swore. I remember in college when people would be drinking, they'd try to get me to swear because they thought it was so funny because I never swore. <laughs> um, so I definitely, that's from, you know, my mom, she taught, like, she, not that she taught me just the way that you are, you you know, I was like, we had a great relationship. I would come home. I remember coming home in sixth grade and crying because that's when all the girls were mean to me and you were my best friend. We always talked a lot. Yeah. We always, she felt free to say whatever. Say I would ask her to sneak out. I would say, <laughs> is it okay if we sneak out I'm gonna and sneak out to paper somebody's house? And I said, no, you, you can't ask me to do that. And what's the fun? <laughs> Just go do it and tell me later. Right. <laughs> So, Betsy, what do you like most about having daughters? Oh, gosh. They're wonderful to talk to. You know, they're just, I like having the conversations. You know, they're, they're always, they're always loving and they're always caring. And I don't have boys. So, you know, I, I have no idea. I always wanted girls because boys are so physical and I'm not a physical, you know, athletic. You said you got, you got your person. crazy triathlete daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I also think that, you know, well, boys are, are really physical. Girls get you mentally. It, it's just they're all going to get you one way or another. But now, but now we're all best friends, you know, and right. when we got married, it's like, tell Matias, like, well, if you marry me, you gotta, you basically have two other friends that come along with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sister and your mom. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Katie is known among many circles as somebody who does a lot. And I would say is an overachiever. So what do you think when Katie's saying like, I'm going to go and ride, hundred miles on the Peloton, or I'm going to swim as whatever she's done. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. I'm fine with that. You know, she's happy. She's what she likes to do. I did not like when she said you, she was going to go do the skyline drive. Um, well, why don't you just that? real quick how, how talk many? about, talk about your first triathlon that you watched with Matias. Oh, it was in Reston and in the high in the high school, you were in the high school with your bike. Yeah. So I think it rained and you didn't do the swim that time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was a hurricane. It, yeah, and so I was at the end of the high school drive on whatever that road was, mm -hmm. standing on a corner with Matthias, watching everybody come out on their bikes, <laughs> and there was one guy who went and turned onto that road, and his water bottle fell off. And the, the girl behind him ran over the water bottle and her, her front wheel was, you know, wiggling and, but, and she got it back under control, but couldn't make the turn and ended up going over the handlebars and, um, <laughs> for Matthias, <laughs> like, yes. and he said, 
I think we ought to go stand over over here. <laughs> seeing the look of horror on my face. Oh, sure. Yeah, you're like, is that gonna happen to Katie? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He made sure that the, the girl the woman was okay and everything, and then we he moved us to someplace else. <laughs> and that you've been to other triathlons since. I've just been to a couple. Yeah, she she likes to know when I'm done. When that, you know, <laughs> right. I call her as soon as I like the tracking one. Yeah, she likes to track and she likes it when I she can wake up and see that I've already finished. <laughs> yeah. um, and you I know, they're relax. so early and she can relax. You like tracking. I like tracking Matias. That's always yes. a fun, it's like yes. a fun thing for you to do. And then yeah. I'll say what's wrong with him yeah why is he going so slow, slow. <laughs> it's okay yeah. yes I know I'm always like I'm not gonna ask Katie what's going on because you don't know either I don't know there. well that was the time that we, we were I was in Kona with Matias in 2011 or something and 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 yeah. I didn't know what was happening because I you know he was just having a rough run and I didn't know what's happening. I was texting you like, what's the tracker saying? I can't understand. I don't know what's happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, I see him run by with his visor down, his head down. And was just like, oh gosh. Yeah. He, he Pain was, cave. Yeah. He was in bad shape yeah. when he finished. He did. Oh, finish, he was like a drunk but, person when he finished. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I'm always tracking him too. I'm like a Matthias super fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah races, so it's like, yeah. Matias and Flaca. I'm always yeah, talking. all the time. I know. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't like like for you to go to a race. It's I think you're you know, it's just too much for you. Like it's just you get too nervous and yeah, I get really nervous. You know. Are you surprised that Katie's still at it? Oh no, not at all. Not at all. I I I can't imagine her ever quitting, really. Being active? No because it's just who, part of who she is. Yeah, and kind of like your mom said, where you kind of need something for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I know, I was like, I guess she had thought about that because I'd never asked her before. Um, and she said that she had her friends because you know she wasn't an athlete and she didn't like leave us to go on bike rides or runs. You know, she was... <laughs> Right. She was always home, but she was like, no, I hung out with my friends and I've traveled and, you, you know, I was, I did swim. I, yeah. I did competitive swimming when I was 11, 12 years old. Yeah. So I, yeah. you know, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and, um, you know, and, and you, in your adult, like when you were a young mom, I'm sure you had some kind of outlet. Bold. Bowling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling is fun. Good. <laughs> I had my own yeah, monogrammed ball yeah. also. Wow, you're legit. You're a legit bowler. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so I think we all need it. There's a big campaign happening right now. It's called like More Than a Mom. And it's all about like how women should feel empowered and not just like once you have kids, you're just a mom. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. I love being a mom, but I think it's also good having your own thing you know, and sometimes yeah. it's really hard. And it's, I feel like the, yeah. you know, the, like your generation, it was more about being a mom, right? right. Where right. like our, our generation, it's more about like keeping your, 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 your identity and keeping your independence and, you know, keeping your career and doing this and doing that. So 
you know, kind of doing your own thing too, because, you know, once your kids grow up, then like, what do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. You know it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope Katie and I will be uh, triathletes together. When I know we we'll be like, when we went to USAT nationals, the award ceremony, uh, when Matias was in Cleveland, when we were in Cleveland and like those like 80 year old age groups, there's like, you know, the podium has 10 spots and there was only three because those are the, I want to be one of those people. Like those are the three people that actually did it. <laughs> they do it. Yeah. And then they're really good. So well, even if you don't do triathlon, you're always going to be Fitness. active exactly. in some way. Peloton, you know, and that's what I love yeah. about Peloton. And you'll swim. You and love swimming. Yes, I will be Matthias will be taking me in my walker to the pool. It'll take me the whole day to do my workout, but that's what I'll be doing. Well, anything well, else? Want to yeah, about? I mean, I just want to say thank you to my mom for supporting me. And as like, as like you guys have heard, um, you know, I've definitely put her through the ringer of worry with 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 it, my it has been it's with been, myself. So it's been scary. Um, but yeah, now it's my turn to take care of you. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much to my dear friend, Steph Hoover, for joining us as our powerhouse segment. And once again, to our mothers for being here with us and supporting us through our lives. We truly cannot thank you enough. I know we got into some serious topics. If you want to chat more, please feel free to private message us. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. Thank you for listening. Next week, it is more Talk on Peloton. Please shoot us your questions and ideas for future episodes. We would love to hear from you. You can DM us on social media. You can find Sarah at Sarah Wasner Flynn and Katie at Katie Pellavicino. We'll see you next week.